This episode was brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for business. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my great pleasure to welcome to Unstoppable today, Sophie Smith, who is the founder and managing director of Running for Premature Babies Foundation. And she founded this group after losing her firstborn triplet sons, Henry, Jasper, and Evan, to their premature births at just 21 and 24 weeks. Her story is one of absolute courage and pure honesty and courageousness. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Unstoppable, Sophie Smith. Sophie, great to have you here. Hi, Kerwin. Thanks for having me. Now, thank you. And I've got to say, I jumped onto your um, social channels just before getting on. And I've got to say, um, it's not often I'm affected um, as much as what I am when I look at people's profiles. Now, I'm obviously, and I don't know if you know this, but I've got a son. He's seven years of age. Uh, he's going to be eight in January. But um, you know, being a dad is a big part of my life. And when I got onto your, um, your Instagram page, one of the first photos I saw was of a baby clasping a little finger and he had like this little set of sunnies on his face yeah. and it just hit me like i actually felt myself actually become quite overwhelmed um what i've got well, first of all i've got to say thank you for doing the work that you do but uh, your story it's really quite an incredible story where does it begin for you thank you well the story of running for premature babies begins back in uh 2006 when my husband ash and i uh, found out that we were, well, we, we found out we were having, um, we were pregnant with triplets and we were absolutely, completely over the moon. We were so excited about um, becoming parents, not once, just twi not twice, but three times over. And uh, I thought we were the luckiest people in the world. And um, yeah, that I'd just been blessed. And um, sadly, our, our babies were born extremely early. Um, basically we spent the six, first six months of the pregnancy kind of excitedly getting ready for you know our instant family and and then when I was 21 weeks pregnant I was at the supermarket and um my waters broke and uh, I took myself to hospital I didn't actually know at that stage you know that my waters had broken because it was sort of off the radar so early in the pregnancy but I went to hospital where I was told that my waters had broken um my babies would be born within the next 24 hours and at oh, that wow. early gestation nothing was going to be able to be done to save them and they were all going to oh die. gosh but that was actually the start of of a journey then through the next 82 days uh during which time we went from hope to despair and back to hope again um several times over but which ultimately did result in us losing all three of our of our little boys henry jasper and evan and how did you navigate that at the time? Like, because, you know, this is not something that I think anyone would be psychologically prepared to deal with. But, you know, and especially you're walking through the supermarket at 21 weeks and the next thing you're in the hospital and you're getting told this. Like, Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think w when I was told your babies are going to be born in 24 hours and your babies are all going to die, that was the absolute, oh. that was like being literally like blindsided, like hit by a truck. But then that that's not actually what happened so um i didn't go straight into labor as was predicted and right um and we were kept in the hospital and monitored and actually it wasn't until five days later that my first son henry was born wow. um and in that time um we had you know scans to check what was happening check on the babies and we had a scan that actually showed that all three boys were um were fine. Uh, Henry, well, we didn't know he was Henry then, but Henry, one of the little babies, waters had broken, but um, had stopped leaking. And um, 
And so I'd said to one of the doctors at that stage, I said to one of the doctors, is there any chance at all that all my babies might actually hold on and be okay? And the doctor, I remember the doctor looking at me and sort of taking a deep breath and just going, looking really like grim and saying, there's like a 1% chance. And you know what? I was like, it's a 1% chance. That's 1% All my babies were gonna die. Now I'm told yeah. there's a 1% chance. So I just thought, well, one percent. I mean, there was a less than one percent chance that we would fall pregnant, that we, to fall pregnant with triplets. So, yeah. so one percent chance to me, all I could see was this glimmer of hope. Mm. Um, but then, you know, that wasn't to be. And five days later, I did go into labour, and uh, we, we, uh, Henry was born, and and we didn't know if Henry was going to be alive at his birth. Um, at twenty-one weeks is too early for intervention. Mm. Um, Henry was born alive and he lived for one hour and we knew when he was born we knew that his time was short and that we wanted to give him a a good life so we made that hour count and I I tell you what it was the most beautiful hour uh, when we Ash and I were just with Henry Um, he held his tiny little hand held onto my finger he lay on my chest. We just told him how much we loved him. We, we, we kissed him. We held him, and we spent that amazing hour with him. And and in that hour, actually, time sort of stood still. And I, in that time, I'm, I'm I'm really grateful that I didn't, in that moment, worry about what was to come with the others. And I was able to devote that hour to Henry. Wow, um, but gift. once Henry died, uh, we were then just told, you know, it was just to wait because you're now going to give birth to your second and third triplets, but it didn't happen. And my labor didn't progress. So they eventually, I think about 24 hours later, took me back to the antenatal ward and said that it, we just had to wait. But at that stage, there was three whole weeks um, before our babies would be viable. And we were told the chances of remaining pregnant for three more weeks was almost impossible. Oh. And um, but then the days started ticking by. And um, as each day passed, our hopes grew and we found ourselves getting to 24 weeks. Holy and, shit. and when we got to 24 weeks, I, I just, we just could not believe how lucky we were. And at that day, at 24 weeks, we then thought, oh my God, we're in for the long haul. We'll stay in, you know, until as close to 40 weeks as possible for our babies to be born healthy. But on that very day, my waters broke again. But when my waters broke that second time, I knew how lucky I was. One day earlier, and my Mm. babies would have been let to die. But today, my babies had a 50% chance of survival. And from my perspective, those were really good odds. Good odds. Good odds. But then um, there was another curveball thrown our way. And um, it turned out that that day at the hospital, there was a uh, there were no beds available in the intensive care unit. And there was actually a critical shortage of neonatal intensive care beds in the whole of Sydney. Oh, God. So we were told we'd be ambulanced to Newcastle, where we would give birth in Newcastle. And that, you know, that's where we would stay. But then a few hours later, they said, oh, this, I'm really sorry, there's a problem. Newcastle's full. So they said, this is the plan. You're gonna, your babies are going to be delivered here in Sydney. And then they're going to be airlifted to either Brisbane or Melbourne. And then the, the greatest clangor came when they said, 
we do have to warn you that there is a possibility we might have to take one baby to Brisbane. And then, <gasps> you know, oh, my God. And oh. we made, we had achieved, our boys had achieved the pretty much almost impossible wow. by making it to 24 weeks. And now there was not the equipment available to give them the best chance of survival. Oh, my God. So luckily, again, we were blessed. My, my labor did not progress that day. And it was not until three days later that complications set in and my babies were born. And, um, and by that time, that two beds had become available there in Randwick. Um, no. Two more babies had moved on to the next level of intensive care, the lower level, and there were two beds available. So, so there we were in the neonatal intensive care unit. And, um, and, and my babies were born, my babies were alive. I didn't actually get to see them myself for two more days right? because there'd been complications with my cesarean. But um, when I did see them, um, you know, they were, they, they were 700, and, Evan was 720 grams, Jasper was oh, 860 nice. grams. They were, they, they were so premature, their skin was not fully developed. So they were bright red their their um eyes were still sealed shut their skin translucent their ash's wedding ring fit around their arm like a bracelet but to me they were the most beautiful babies i'd ever seen oh, <laughs> and um and the most precious little little beings and and i absolutely 100 percent believed that they would make it oh. and what happened next um we had a really good first few days right. and um, we would spend, we weren't allowed to touch them. Um, Ash and I would spend, you know, all the time we were allowed to in the hospital gazing through their humidity crib windows um, and just marveling at how, you know, precious they were. And um, the, the incredible staff were working around the clock to try and save their lives. Um, they, they did really well. They were taking my breast milk uh, expressed and, being fed to them drop by drop, oh. um, which was amazing for me to actually feel like I, you know, I, there was very little yeah. I could do. I, there was no yeah. out of control, okay. you know, I couldn't even touch my own children, yeah. but I could feed them, you know, and, and that was beautiful. really, really important and feel like I could do that. And um, everything was going really well. But then when they were seven days old, Evan um, became ill and um, yeah yeah just they're so fragile you know so yeah. he became ill and then when he was 10 days old he suffered a massive brain hemorrhage and um the most terrible point was when um the doc we had to give our permission to the doctors to remove the life support from evan oh, and actually gosh. the first time i ever held evan was um as they removed his life support and he died oh wow um and then jasper uh, was amazing and he fought on he was um such a little fighter I again after losing Evan I absolutely believed that Jasper was going to be my my survivor and um right. he, he he amazed his doctors he had lots of um throughout he lived 58 days and in that 58 days he doubled his wow, birth weight what a warrior he was such a little warrior he opened his eyes he he, he oh. knew our, our voices we were able by this stage to put our hands through the windows of the humidity curve and, and comfort him when he was upset there were, there were times when you know his numbers would have crashed and the doctors and the nurses like working away trying to sort of revive him and then i put my hand through the window and just start stroking his head and look at, and, at his stats and his numbers and, were just oh wow like all this medical intervention but his mom and his dad like ash as oh. well 
you know and so we we did have like the 58 days with jasper were um we had some we have some amazing memories of um beautiful times that we spent together there were times i was able to take him out of his um his, his humidity crib and hold him and there was one time when i i held him skin to skin and he just instinctively even though he was all you know um intubated and fed with tubes and everything he just latched onto my boob and um and that was just such an amazing moment you know and, and um yeah we had we had some really uh beautiful uh times with jasper but then when he was 58 days old um he suffered from chronic lung disease which is very common for premature babies and um a few times during his life we'd been called into the hospital urgently because um in the middle of the night because um you know his lungs kept collapsing and each time we'd rush in and 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 then somehow Jasper would fight back. But yeah. then when he was 58 days old, we were in the hospital, his lungs collapsed and, and there was nothing more that could be done. Wow. What a journey. <clears throat> yeah. I think being a mother, um, is one that is often underrated for most anyone else's normal experiences, but this is a, a baptism of fire that very few women, if not humans actually endure. At the end of this, you've just lost your third child. Like I'm physically affected just by. <clears throat> listening to your story, but I'm just curious, <clears throat> like as a mom, how do you reconcile that? How do you come out of that in a way where you, you clearly seem so strong, so positive, but in a way that enables you to yeah keep moving forward in such a strong way with such courage with such passion like i look at you here before me and the way that you recite the story it's just it's so compelling to hear you be able to relive it but i i can't help but feel at some point this must have really affected you in a deep way absolutely i mean yeah I, it, there aren't really words to describe no, that, that, couldn't be. That, that pain but um you know there was just there's just something that endured. So I went home, you know, went home from hospital. Um, it was not that I'd find myself after Jasper died and after the Jasper's funeral and, and everything, I find myself at home sitting. I was on maternity leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just sitting in this quiet, empty house. And I would find myself sometimes sitting at home, listening to the like deafening silence around me. And I, imagine i'd sort of i'd just pretend and sometimes i'd sit there and i'd listen to this silence and the only way i could actually get through that was i would pretend in the in the room next door we lived in this little house and in, in a two-bedroom house and we had set up a cot in the room next door ready for the boys to come back we, we'd set this up before him he was even born and the plan was that they would share a cot for the first few months so this little cot was sitting in the room next door and i used to sometimes find myself sitting on the sofa in the silence and pretending that wow oh it's silence because my three little boys have just fallen asleep next door oh my god and i think to myself i pretend to myself oh i can just enjoy a few moments of peace oh. while asleep. Oh. and then and then one day um i came across the serenity well there was a couple of things that happened actually around the same time i came across the serenity prayer the wisdom, the, the wisdom to know the strength to change the things that I can. Strength, and yeah, the wisdom, the wisdom to know. Uh, uh, grant me the serenity, right, 
That's the way I put it. <laughs> Paul, what's the serenity prayer? Bring serenity. it out real quick. Grant me the serenity to change, to, to accept what I cannot. No, grant me the serenity to the accept line. the things I cannot, cannot change, change, the courage to think, to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. Living one day at a time, that's that's one it. moment the at a time. Part, the first yep. part, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. And I knew that, however much I pretended and played, played make believe, I was never going to hear my three boys screaming for the next feed. I was never going to be taking them for a walk around the park in the buggy that was sitting in the hallway. Um, I was never going to know the exhaustion of mothering three babies at once. Um, nothing in my power could bring my babies back, but, they, but that I had everything in my power to decide what I did next. Mm. And at about the same time, I was also like always looking on the internet, trying to, I don't know what I was trying to find, but I was looking, searching for things. And I found this poem called Mummy. And the last, couple of lines of the poem jumped out at me and they just stuck in my head and they went round and round and round my head and I couldn't get them out and the last two lines of the poem were please don't be sad mummy go on and live for me it's so important that you do as it's through my eyes you'll see now these two poems prayers whatever they didn't take away my grief they didn't suddenly make everything better but they gave me a new focus and, and, and I, I don't think I would have got through that time either without Ash. So Ash would speak aloud my babies, our babies' names every day. And he would hold me and he would let me cry. And we would talk to each other about how our lives were richer for having been parents to Henry, Jasper and Evan. Mm. And how I, how I felt now that even though they were gone, I was still their mum. And I had a job to do to ensure that their lives mattered. So it was actually at this time that Ash one day came home from work and said, said to me, how about we run a half marathon? Um, there's the Sydney Morning Herald half marathon coming up in like six months time. I'd never run a half marathon before. He said, why don't we try and raise some money for the hospital? And, and when our boys had been in the hospital, we realized that a lot of the equipment keeping them alive had been donated and that the hospital relies on fundraising for a lot of their equipment in their unit. So I thought, this is a brilliant idea. Let's try and raise $20,000 for one new humidity crib. And we always remembered that shortage of beds and you know that incident when we were nearly taken, our babies were nearly having to be taken up to up two ends of the country to be cared for. And so I suddenly was able to channel my grief into something small but something positive and something that got me off mm. that couch and outside and, and were you a runner before this or was this the uh, your first well, ash and i used to run the city to surf each year which is like 14 okay. and we used to run for fun yeah okay but and I, I wouldn't have termed myself a runner <laughs> um so <laughs> so anyway this this idea was great because then i decided okay we'll raise let's raise twenty thousand dollars and I thought, well, how do we raise $20,000? I need people to, um, to help me because I can't do it on my own. So first of all, I just asked all my friends and none of them were runners. <laughs> and, you know, can you run a, will you run a half marathon for, for Henry, Jasper and Evan? So they were all, of course, you know, couldn't say no. And then um, I thought I'll just get a few more people to run. So I made a little flyer and I put it around my neighborhood, around cafes and gyms and playgrounds and things. And, just dropped this fly around and, and then um, 
couldn't believe the response to it. And I had um, suddenly people phoning me up, complete strangers and saying, you know, I'd love to run on your team. And then I, I got quite, um, I was, you know, quite sort of fixated on trying to get lots of people to run with me. So I start, I turned into a bit of a nightmare. I literally approached anyone who crossed my path. I'd say, we run a half marathon. <laughs> I, I signed somebody up on the bus once um, and somebody else in a shoe shop. And um, wow. And so I had this, I saw, yeah, I had this new sense of purpose. And, and, um, and then it was, it was nine months, it was six months after Jasper died that was the Sydney One Herald Half Marathon in 2007. And we ended up with uh, 98 people on the team. Wow. And we raised $80,000, which brought oh God. the gifts for the hospital. And you've since raised $4 million to date yeah, through so, the work that you do? So, so that was the first year. And I think after, when we ran that first race, Ash and I both knew uh, then that, that this was the start of something. And, and to me, that's when Running for Premature Babies was really born. Um, I knew that I wanted to do it all over again the next year. Um, uh, the following year, I was, we had did it all over again. That second year, I was not running. I was standing on cheering everyone over the finish line because I was eight months pregnant with our fourth Yay! son. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, it, it's amazing how it just, things just snowballed and Running for Premature Babies is now an Australian charity that supports uh, neonatal units all around the country. We've provided over 70 pieces of life-saving equipment. We've funded uh, neonatal research to advance the care of premature babies. Um, You've affected 6,000 lives. 6,000 babies have directly benefited from the fundraising that you've done. Right, yeah. How does that feel, considering you've been there, like you've been in that situation? Oh, it, it's, it's just, um, it feels so wonderful. I, on a personal level, I feel like, well, personally, I feel like I've been able to bring Henry, Jasper and Evan with me mm. um, rather than leave them behind in 2006. What a I legacy. Feel like, I feel like, um, oh, I'm just, I'm so grateful actually, because, you know, it's not me. It, it, there've been so many amazing people along the way who've enabled this, you know, to become what it is. And, um, and in the process, you, you co-authored a memoir, Sophie's Boys that was uh, written by, with yourself and Deborah Fitzgerald. Oh my God. That's incredible. Um, and also you were recognized as a New South Wales local hero in your community, the 2020 Westfield local hero for Bondi Junction, uh, the New South Wales local hero for National Australia Day Council, the 2018 Coogee Woman of the Year, 2017 Australia Day Community Service Award. You, <laughs> and you know, you, I, you rattle off those things and I sit here and I talk to you and I can completely understand why you're contagious. Like your story is incredible, but it doesn't end here. Like you just mentioned, you know, the, the plot twist in your story that you went on, you know, at the, w one of the future marathons to be cheering on the sidelines because you were eight months pregnant and you went on to have two incredible boys, but you, your, your story seems to be one of strength. Um, you know, cause I, I, I don't, um, you know, I don't talk about this lightly because you, you have been through a lot, not only with the loss of your three kids, but in 2016, you also lost Ash, uh, to brain cancer. And I can only assume, you know, when you experience, I'm someone who's experienced, um, you know, a little bit of trauma, a little bit of death. And I've discovered that, you know, oftentimes things prepare me for things and you don't know it at the time. And we, we look at a trauma and go, you know, sometimes we see the trauma in isolation, but what we don't realize is it's, it's, it's 
giving us gifts. It's giving us, you know, insights and, and in some cases building a level of resilience and grit to enable us to be able to deal with things that are going to come. So I can only assume when you found out that Ash had brain cancer, this must have been a significant, were you, was there at any point you went, why me? What did I, did I, did I run over someone in a previous life? You know like, it's funny you say that. It's funny <laughs> you say that because this is the, a kind of a common theme that people often, I find uh, people often hear my story and they say, oh, why you? And, um, you know, uh, you're so unlucky. And, and exactly that. Some people have actually said, I think, you know, maybe you did something really bad in a past life to deserve this shitty karma. But, you know, to me, I know that when people say any of those things, they're just trying to be sympathetic or they're just trying to make yes. sense of the senseless. Yes. But I also know that to me, these sentiments are not useful at all. <laughs> um, I, I, Ash and I decided very early on that we would never waste any time on the why me question. Um, mm. I, it's not a very deep philosophical theory, but I just think that, I just think that shit happens. And I think, I don't think things are, all happening for a reason but I think it's just that I don't think that life hands out misfortune in sort of equal portions I believe that adversity is just a part and parcel of being human I mean why the hell not me mm. um or who who is not better equipped to go through what you have than you you know when I when I look at you and I look at how you present and the way you show up to the world also I, I don't think that God or the universe or whatever is kind of pointed to me and going, oh, she's strong, so we'll just give her some more shit to deal with. <laughs> you know, because I don't like that. I so hang on. Oh, hang on a second. Hang I on a minute. Who said I wanted to be strong? You know, I just think it's. Yeah. I think it's it's human. It's humanity. You know, we yeah. all have this within us. The the power of the human spirit is not to be underestimated, and I just think that. So for me, it's like I think there's certain things. For me that that i have found helpful so i don't yeah. find why me helpful well that's a good question because uh, i think there's a lot of people that might be in a experiencing you know trauma or they've had an experience and they're experiencing grief right now i'd be curious to know from your perspective like on any of the days where you were having a bad day like did you develop any strategies to better pull yourself out of it because you do present so strong you do present so courageous you do present someone who's <laughs> regulated this experience in a really healthy way and i don't i don't say that half-heartedly so if you really mean that hand on heart but i am curious like is there something that someone could learn from what you've done that you used in those times that were really dark to you know bring yourself back to the light um, you know, I think when I sort of reflect on, on everything that's happened and, and I think I have come through, you know, uh, well, and I think, I, and when I reflect back on it, I think there's a few things. Firstly, I think, um, I think hope is really important and I think I'm good at, at, at holding on to hope. So, you know, I, I held out hope for each of my boys until hope was you know there was no hope left until they died but even though my babies died I have never regretted the hope that I held for them um, mm. to this day I actually I treasure um, the few cards that we received congratulating us on Evan and Jasper's birth oh, wow. um, I have not very many we didn't receive very many and I, I, I have them in a pile next to an enormous pile of condolence cards and those cards of congratulations I love because 
to me, they are proof of that hope. Yeah. Um, after Jasper died, uh, gathering my team for running for premature babies became my new hope. And to this day, the charity continues to be my hope. Um, the other thing I think that I've always found really important is gratitude. Oh, and yeah. I read somewhere that higher levels of gratitude reduce levels of depression. And, and I found like when Ash was going through um, radiotherapy, chemotherapy, following brain surgery, um, we kept a gratitude journal. And it was just a small thing. But every night before going to bed, we would share with each other three things that brought us joy that day. And this, for me, this permission to feel grateful enabled us to, to kind of refocus each day, even during challenging times, and to enable us to, to tune into what was good in our lives. And there was so much that was good in our lives, even during that time. Um, I think, you know, people are always telling me I'm so unlucky. Well, not always, but I'm often being told that, oh, that's really so unlucky. But I really don't see it that way. Like, I, I know how lucky I was to have 58 days with Jasper when I only had mm. 10 days with Evan and one hour with Henry. I know how lucky we were to have Ash for seven more years. When he was diagnosed with brain cancer, Owen, our fourth son, was six months old. And Ash was told he had the most aggressive form of brain cancer. There was a GBM grade four. He was told with surgery and chemo, he was looking at a year to live. He lived for seven. Wow. And in that time, we had another child. Oh, my and God. We're so lucky that my boys, Owen and Harvey, they know their dad. They remember their dad. And me, I got to experience the deepest of love with Ash. And, and not everyone is so lucky. So I know that. For me, that really helps. You know, it doesn't. I'm not. It doesn't diminish grief. It doesn't diminish. Um, you know, even when going through like these really hard times, it wasn't like I'm skipping through. I'm all fine. But it, of course, mm. I, I've got the agony of the grief, but I've also, I also really do that lens of, 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 of feeling, of, of understanding that I am lucky. I'm. I'm you know, mm. and I think that's really helped. Really helped me, and it. And it helps me and I, I try and show that to my boys now as well what a great gift what a great gift and you're a product of the work sophie you know and uh, i think you know it, it might sound almost whimsical for me to say that you present the way that you do but you know i think it's really important to understand what you've gone through to get where you are you know and the work that you've done enables you to show up the way that you do um so how can people support the charity? Because I know you, you've, you've created a, a believer out of me, a follower out of me, um, and that doesn't happen easily. Like you can ask Paul, when was the last time you saw me cry like this, Paul? Um, you've clearly gone out there. You have made an incredible difference. And, you know, it's interesting because it was a few years ago I got invited to um, the Loyal Foundation charity by a good mate in my account, Anthony Bell, uh, where they support the Humpty Dumpty Foundation. And I, on a whim, um, bought a $34,000 piece. It was a humidity neonatal something crib. And I remember at the time being affected to the point where, you know, I don't normally go to ch you know charity, charity things and spend a lot of money, but being impacted, you know, because family is something that's very important to me. And I was very lucky I had a, you know, my son was born, you know, on time, um, as they say. 
but I think there's not a lot of, there are many other people that aren't as fortunate as myself that have had the experience that you have and don't always find themselves in a situation to be able to, you know, have access to the help that is required or have the money to access the help. So what you're doing is clearly important work. So how can we support you? What can we do to support you? Thank you. So running for premature babies. So our model for fundraising is that we inspire people to take on running challenges to okay. raise money for our cause. And um, oh, COVID's you know obviously thrown a spanner in everyone's works, but we've we've, we've got it. We've we've, uh, <laughs> we've pivoted like everybody. So our our usually what we do is we enter teams into into running events like you know half marathons, marathons, fun runs. Um, around the country and then um, we ask people to come and join us and to run with us and we ask people we, we we give everyone a free running kit and we ask them to raise whatever they can for our cause and then together it's just amazing how you know the the, the, the funds add up and we were funding um hospitals like i literally last week uh, some equipment arrived in Alice Springs Hospital uh, wow. to replace. We provided three humidity cribs and a resuscitation cot. And, and amazingly, you know, we live in such a, this wonderful country, but um, it, it's amazing the sort of inequality of uh, care in different hospitals, depending on you know where they are. And regional hospitals need a lot of help. In Alice Springs, they were using humidity cribs that were twenty years old. We've wow. managed to upgrade now three of their humidity cribs. To I mean, and the technology and the advances in technology are so incredible that the, the new equipment really, you know, our vision of our charity is for a better chance of survival and quality of life for premature babies. And that's what these machines give. And this equipment arrived just last week. Alice Springs Hospital cares for babies from a 2.2 million kilometer area. I mean, it's just wow. normal. And the 70% of their, their babies they care for are indigenous. So it's a real honor to be able oh. to support that hospital. We support hospitals in Queens. We've, we, we funded a, an ambulance in southern Queensland in <laughs> Brisbane that dry, last year. This is a first of its kind. It's a neonatal ambulance that is based at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital, but it travels all over North, uh, southern New South Wales, sorry, southern Queensland and northern New South Wales to pick up babies. Uh, that are born prematurely in rural hospitals that don't have neonatal intensive care and bring them safely back to Brisbane for neonatal intensive wow. care. I'm so proud to be able to sponsor that. We, we, we've provided ventilators, like the new ventilators available are, that are too expensive. Like they're, they're, they come from overseas. They're too expensive. Government, government funding does not cover them. These neonatal ventilators mean that if my baby Jasper had had one of these neonatal ventilators, he would be here today, 15 years Oh ago. my God. So these wow. ventilators literally save lives. And we have so many people who do join us and run with us because they've also had, they've had a premature baby, either who's survived or who's passed away. Yeah. But people can join us in any of our events that are, you can jump on our website, but also in November, we have our own virtual event called the Premier Marathon Challenge. So November is actually World Prematurity Month. And in November, it's, we started it last year. We'll be doing it every November from now. It was COVID actually that, you know, that, that got us thinking about doing a virtual event. And now, um, so the virtual event is it's a marathon challenge. You can sign up to either complete a 42 kilometer marathon or a 100 kilometer ultra marathon. But the twist is before you turn off, before any listener goes, <laughs> oh, fuck that, turn it off. I'm, I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> uh, the, the, the thing about it is, it's a, a non-marathon or an ultramarathon with a twist because you first of all choose your distance, 42 or 100. Then you choose your time frame and you can complete your distance over either a day or a week or over the whole month of November, which makes it very achievable to anybody. You can also walk, run, cycle, swim. However you complete your kilometers is completely up to you. And then we simply ask, 
it's free to join and to register and anyone who raises only $50 will receive a, a marathon medal at the end of it. We'll post you a medal. And obviously, wow. you know, we, we hope to raise, you know, a lot last year we raised $250,000 just through that one event. Um, wow. But we love, we just, you know, to support our cause, uh, you know, it's anybody just getting up. I've got one guy, Glenn, he's uh, just signed up to walk from Orange Hospital in Orange, over the Blue Mountains, 270 kilometers to the Royal Hospital of Women in Randwick to raise $65,000 for my cause because oh. his twins were cared for both at the Royal Hospital of Women and back at oh his hospital at Orange. So we'll be providing equipment for Orange and, and Sydney for that. Um, we had last year <clears throat> two people, uh, two guys went and swam the English Channel to raise uh, money for our cause. So it's, it, we love inspiring people to take on a challenge, however big or small. It doesn't matter if it's a 5K fun run or, a, you know, or swimming the, climbing Mount Everest. Um, it, it's, it's, it's taking on a challenge and knowing that, you know, when running um, races like in half marathons, I've, been, I've taken teams to run New York Marathon, Chicago Marathon, a marathon wow. in the high altitude of Nepal. We did a couple wow. of um, whichever event it is, we, our shirts are purple. Our color is purple, the color of prematurity. And on the back of our shirts, um, we have our logo, but we also have uh, my triplets handprints, life-sized oh on God. your backs. And I always tell people when you're in a race or in a training run and you think you can't go any further, you think you can't, you just can't, you can't go any further. You can't get up that hill. Just remember, you've got Henry Jasper and Evans' hands on your backs, and they'll push you. They'll push you on. Oh, so many people have told me that actually, that is actually. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wow. Really, and you know, wow. it's not just about Henry Jasper and Evans. The thing is, no, I get 15 it. years later, a... our charity is, is founded in memory of Henry Jasper and Evans. But today, we run to celebrate all premature babies living and lost, and we have um, many, many people running to in memory of their own babies who've died. And many people who tell me that running in their baby's name to help other babies has helped them to heal. We have many people running because to celebrate their children who've survived their prematurity. And we have even many, many more who are simply uh, people who, who, who want to take on a, a, a challenge to motivate themselves to be better, to be fitter, to be stronger, but to know that, that the finish line is so much more than just your time that the finish line uh, when you're running for a cause and running for premature babies you know it, it the finish line is giving premature babies a better chance of survival so it it's that extra inspiration that um that helps people and i could go on and on and on but there's people you are had, an energizer bunny I've had <laughs> people who are obese who have joined <laughs> up and are now ultra runners wow they've been you know they, all you need is a good it. reason yeah, it needs a good All right, so call to arms, call to actions, bring your challenges. Now, I want to get things moving here, um, and I'm, I'm flat out running around the block. I'll be honest with you, but I do like a challenge. Uh, <laughs> but I'd like to actually put forward the challenge to everyone to, 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 to come and support the group. But what I would love to do is I would love to personally donate $5,000 oh, to um to the cause as a way of setting the standard and just saying guys come on let's get together let's do something here That's um amazing. you know and I, and again i think the thing that affects me the most is being a dad 
you know, touch wood, never been in that position myself. But when you're a dad, you kind of put yourself in that position when you hear other stories. I think sometimes, well, I do. I'm, I'm that kind of person. And, um, yeah, I feel very blessed and very grateful that I've got a very happy and healthy son, but I'd, um, but I also feel very blessed and very grateful that I'm in a position where I can help other people as well. Um, and as family, something that's very close to my heart. As I said, I'd like to lead the way. We'll kick off with a $5,000 donation. Oh. Um, and yeah, I encourage anyone who's listening here to, to jump on running for premature babies, uh, dot com and, um, yeah, register a team, register, a, get involved in a challenge, do something, but, um, you can register you know, a since, team in the premier marathon challenge. We've got lots of yeah. teams and that's a, be such a great way to go. Thank you so much. That's oh, amazing. Absolute pleasure. And, um, as I said, <laughs> I don't often get this emotional. Uh, and I think anyone who's listening to this podcast will be quite surprised that you got the level of emotion out of me. No, actually, no, I don't think people will be surprised because I am very much a big dad and I'm a big softie at heart. But, um, you know, if there's one thing I'd like to say in closing, Sophie, I'm really impressed with you. Like, I, I'm very lucky. I get to talk to a whole range of different people and it'd be very rude if I didn't say I was impressed by everyone. Um, but I, there are people impress me in different ways and you are a real shining light, you know, for what you have been through, you know, both with your kids and with Ash and for the way that you've come out the other side with the level of intent and service uh, and care that you have to support other people. It's just phenomenal. And I think you really should be screamed from the rooftops. I think you are the Australian of the year in waiting. Uh, and I won't be surprised the day that it actually happens because you've done some incredible stuff. So with that, where can people go if they want to support you? Where can people go to find out more about Sophie and uh, running for premature babies? Thank you. People can follow us on social media on Instagram. We're running for prems, P-R-E-M-S. On Facebook, we're Running for Premature Babies, all one word. And our website is runningforprematurebabies.com. Sophie, thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you so much for sharing. And um, yeah, please know that you've, 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 you've affected one person today and me, and I'm sure there's probably at least another few thousand that are going to be affected in the next few weeks who are going to be listening thank to this. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you, Sophie. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Unstoppable and you have been listening to Sophie Smith and I encourage every single one of you, jump over right now, runningforprematurebabies.com. Get yourself a team together. Get a challenge together. Let's raise some money and support some of these little kidlets that need some help. This is Unstoppable. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Cohen. You're amazing. Oh, look, I think today I, I, I wasn't my best. <laughs> oh, this is a tough one for me. I've got to be honest. It was really... Um, Wow. <clears throat> it's such an honor to be able to tell my story. I can't tell you. Like, Beautiful it story. It was Henry's birthday last Saturday. Oh, wow. And, 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 you know, I just, it makes me so, like, honestly, I just, yeah. To be, to be given the opportunity to, to share their stories, it means the world for me. So you are a pillar of strength, Sophie, and I'm honored to be in your orbit now. <laughs>this episode is brought to you by nail it and scale it the world's leading fast growth program for businesses if you have ever wanted to grow your business faster than what you can right now if you need to make more revenue if you need more leads if you need more clients if you need to know how to plan your business in a strategic way in order to hit big goals if you need to learn how to scale your business and grow your team and your business so that you have more freedom then this program is for you imagine three days immersed with me where we cover all aspects of business but we do it from an immersive but also an execution standpoint we execute every step of the way and we're looking at five key areas we're looking at your psychology we're looking at your marketing your sales your leadership and we're looking at your planning 
and how we integrate these five key areas to grow your business and your brand quickly. So if you'd like to find out more information, KerwinRay.com.